You're welcome. What was that? You're welcome. With Hillary Rushford. Say it again. You're welcome. In advance. Hello, my sweet friend. If you, my dear, or someone in your life is going through a hard, hard time right now, or a hard, hard thing, this conversation is for you. And that could be because of your personal life or also perhaps the events of the world. I know a lot of people are feeling heavy around that. I will say, if you are struggling, please, my love, join us inside my Healing Burnout course. I've decided to open it up this fall to do a final live session with you. So I'm going to be present in our community to walk alongside and coach you live for six weeks so that we can winter well and prepare for spring. And that languaging will make sense in this chat today. You can get on the waitlist for that today. I'll put the link in the description, but it's hillaryrushford.com slash burnout. Take one minute to pop your email in there, and that way you know that you will hear about it. I will send you an email with all of the details as soon as they're available. It's only open for a limited time, and that way you don't have to worry that you will miss a thing. But I want you to know if you are resonating with the pain and the exhaustion the fear, the anxiety, the overwhelm, the tiredness, the sometimes hopelessness, the not sure what's coming next, not sure how this is going to change, not sure how you're going to get through this, not wanting to feel this low energy, this heavy for another year, that after this conversation, there is more help and support in this area. And as we're going to talk about today, that is exactly what we need to get through these times. And I was working on a two-part podcast series earlier today, and for some reason, a friend crossed my mind. Um, I have a friend with a serious illness, and I hadn't heard back from them for quite a few months, and... As you'll know, if you have someone in your life who is ill, when you don't hear back, you, you know, wonder, is, is everything okay? Are they still alive? If they were in the hospital, would I have heard? Would I have gotten an update? And I texted this friend, and again, I've texted, I don't know, maybe once a month for the last six months, and all of a sudden, she instantly called me back, and actually, let me reach for my phone here because the reason that she called me back and it's, or the reason that she called, um, and it's not, this is not to say anything about the other messages that I had sent before. Um, I mean, I had sent really heartfelt ones, you know, I'd said like thinking of you today, this is back in April. I said, thinking of you today, the sun just came out here in Brooklyn, hoping it is, you know, fill in the blank where she is. How are you feeling today? How are you feeling today is a question that my friend Ashley Lemieux taught me about supporting people through grief and hard times is if you just say, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Like that can be a loaded question. (laughs) How are you feeling today is a a lot easier 
because you might be doing good today. You might be having a hard time today. But if it's just open-ended, you're like, well, I don't want to say I'm doing well today because I don't want to make them think that everything's going well. Um, So then I had, um, we'd sent friends a private message to share that we were doing our embryo transfer before we announced things publicly and that we had our surrogate, et cetera. So, um, and this friend had... uh, had had a difficult time with infertility. So I said, hi friend, I don't know if a video like this is sensitive knowing your own journey, but I wanted to share our story with you. Didn't hear back. Um, I sent a longer one. I said, hi beauty. I think of you so often praying for you right now. Shared a podcast that I was listening to and, and why I said I immediately thought of you. Praying that whatever is on your heart, I co-sign and fully believe God can do an answer with the very best plan he has for your family, how are you feeling today? And I hadn't heard back from any of those. I didn't plan to read these, but I guess I'm sharing this because if you are listening to this thinking, I'm not in a hard time, but someone in my life is, and, I, and I'm struggling to wonder how to reach out to them, or if you are like, I am reaching out. Am I, am I not saying the wrong, the right things? I'm not hearing back. Maybe you're listening going, Hillary, that's what I'm saying. And I'm like, yeah, I didn't hear back either. Or if you are struggling, maybe it helps you to say if someone texts and the reason you realize you're not writing back is because their, te- their, their question is too broad. Like, how are you doing? And you're like, Ugh. that maybe it allows you to say, I'm not like it it feels big to answer how I'm doing, but how I'm doing to but I could answer how I'm doing today. And maybe that's a way for you to kind of teach them. So yesterday's was like my most simple answer. I just said or text, I just said, thinking of you would be honored to hear how you're feeling today. You are special. XOXO. And she just called with her voice cracking and just said that was the most beautiful message. And later in our conversation, she said, It was so beautiful, your choice of words that you said, I'd be honored to hear how you're feeling today. And I said to her, that that does feel authentic to me. I do feel honored. I'm someone who loves so much to go deep. I want to know what's real. I want to know how you really are because I am incredibly disinterested in fluffy stuff unless we're just having fun and we're talking about and just like that or the Beckham documentary or whatever, we can have fun. But I don't, I just don't want like, I'm good. How are you? Like, I'm so disinterested. So I was being true that I, I would be honored if she would give me an update because I imagine there may be a lot of people checking in on her and she may not have a lot of energy in her physical state, you know, to respond. And I understand that it is an honor. And now that I'm thinking about it, I guess that's probably the place a lot of us are in right now, even if, and by right now, I mean in this day and age, that even if we are not struggling with our physical health or um, you know, that, that's, that makes us short on energy, if we aren't walking through something incredibly hard that has us especially spread thin in this season, I think we all know we're struggling with a loneliness epidemic because we are theoretically more connected than ever. But what that actually means is that we have so many texts and so many DMs and so many people we're seeing that our our worlds are so big 
that it does feel, it feels like to kind of connect with everyone is just going to be surfacy, and that doesn't feel substantive. But then there's so much coming in. And maybe you don't feel like this. Maybe you're like, actually, Hillary, I feel like no one texts me. But maybe they're not texting you because they're feeling that, that they're, they're feeling the, I have so many texts. I mean, I had, I received so many messages from people when I did, what is it, October? I shared about my book story in May that even people very close to me didn't know because I just didn't have the time, I didn't have the energy, rather, to tell the story more than a couple times. The only people that really knew what happened with my book when it happened were the close friends that I was either talking to or seeing regularly throughout that process. They're the ones I was talking to when I sold the book, when I was struggling with the book, when the editor left. Like They were the ones that knew all the play-by-play. People that I hadn't really been in touch with The idea of trying to figure out how to summarize trauma in a couple sentences just isn't worth it. It's, it's not, I'm not going to get back an answer that's satisfying, but then to get on the phone for an hour or leave a voice message for an hour and try to explain it, like you just don't want to relive the trauma, right? So I actually am looking at this text thinking there really is something to saying I would be honored to hear because I know it takes energy to share your life deeply and you can only do that with so many people because of time, because of energy, um, because it is exhausting. But somehow the text just happened to be the right words at the right time and I think it really was um, just kismet. And on most times in my life, I... And I work so hard that I put my phone in the other room during the day. I like have it in my little cradle in the kitchen. It's plugged in. I have read research that even just having our phone in the same room is a mental distraction for us. And I have found that myself, that the moment I think like, I don't want to deal with this email, our brain looks for a distraction. And so if your phone is there out of the corner of your eye, You grab it without even having the conscious thought. And before you know it, you're scrolling on Instagram. And you're like, how did I get here? How did did I get here? So yesterday, I did have my phone with me, which is probably what happened. I probably reached some point in working on this two-part podcast series that I thought, I don't know what the answer would be after that. And, And maybe that's why I went, you know, or maybe it was that I said something and I thought, you know who that really applies to is this friend. I'm going to message them. So anyways, because of that, my phone was here. She calls. I answer. Friend, we talked for six hours. I don't think I ever in my life have had a phone conversation with a friend. I mean, not high school, not college. I don't know that I've ever talked to someone for six hours. But she shared one of the hardest stories that I've ever heard a friend going through. The things that I didn't know had been happening over the last few years. I knew hard parts, but there was so much more that she had not really been sharing. And she is a fellow teacher. She's someone that I met years ago through this online world. And so like me is someone that really excavates life and humanity and how we connect and what it means to be alive and how we relate. And it just felt like, I mean, my schedule is so full. I never 
have those moments where, like, honestly, my mom texted me a few days ago and was like, hey, can you give me a call? And I said, I'm hours behind at work today. Do you have a quick question or are you wanting to catch up? Because we had just gotten back from Italy and I thought, oh, maybe she's just getting in the car and she's wanting to chat about Italy. And I was like, I am so behind. I, I can't chat. But if you got a quick question, then yes, I will answer. But it just felt like this is a divine moment. Like we're just, we're meant to connect. And it had been a year since we had connected. We talked for maybe two hours at that time, which also was a long time for me. I took 10 pages of notes. Do you do that ever when you're on a conversation? I don't know if it's just the way I interact with people. I mean, as you see from this this podcast, I just, I I love the depth. So if I'm having a really good conversation with someone, I want to take notes because I, I want to remember the insights that we're having and I don't want to be worried about forgetting them. I I have a, a old like sample version of the LX journal that was just printed off at FedEx here when we were testing things that I just use as my random little notepad. So I have 10 pages of notes and I decided instead of what I had planned today, I wanted to share one of the many themes that we talked about in that time. And it was around or is around how we make sense of and move through really hard times. And there's just something in the water right now because on Sunday, I called a girlfriend to catch up and she, I knew one thing that was happening in her life and she shocked me by sharing two other huge things that were happening in her life. We ended up talking for three hours. Again, I think I've only had one conversation I can think of with this friend in the last couple of years that was long, and that was maybe an hour and a half. So I think three hours is our record. On Saturday, I got on Zoom with another friend, my friend who's falling in love internationally, um, and um, we we just hadn't caught caught up on on video and seen each other while she's been traveling. But we ended up talking for two hours. Again, I don't know that, I think one time in the last year and a half, maybe we've done that on Zoom. And in part, it was because there were so many stories that came up of, and this person's struggling. And you know what? It's actually a similar struggle to this person who's also struggling. And so I don't know what's been in the water the last few days with the amount of time that I've spent going deep with women in my life. But furthermore, I'm thinking about so many conversations that have been arising in the garden party of things that are happening in this community. And I want to share as we lead into talking about how we get through hard things, I want to share some of the concrete examples of what those hard things are because I feel like when, from my experience over just the last week with my my own friends and the last few weeks in the garden party where there's just been some really powerful shares, I'm aware that I feel so much less alone and it actually turns the volume down on my pain and it's I don't mean that in a dismissive way where I go oh well this person's going through something harder so my pain's not that hard 
Instead, it's that when you're going through something hard, it feels like you are in these crashing waves, whether to you that feels like you fly up and it's terrifying and then the wave goes down and your stomach is plummeting. Maybe it feels like that to you or it just feels like it's choppy everywhere and you're treading water and you're really panicky that like, I don't know that I can keep going like this. But when I say that to you, do you picture that you're the only one in the water? Because that's what I picture. I'm feeling overwhelmed by the waves of life in those moments. But that visual, if I heard you say it, I'm picturing that it's just me out in the water. And that's one of the reasons that I feel so scared. But I think when you hear so many other stories, you realize there's so many other people in the waves right now. And that now that I'm not alone in this storm, it doesn't mean that I know how to help them out or they know how to help me out, but not being so alone, not feeling like my life has this intense choppiness. And then I go to Instagram and everybody else just seems to be chilling on a lounge chair on the beach with a cocktail in their really cute swimsuit. And I am drowning over here. And what we see on social media, by and large, is everyone doing pretty well. And I think that's just a a universal experience when we're going through hard things. It feels like we're the only one. And that then also makes it feel like, why am I so unlucky right now? Why is it so much harder for me right now? There's a little bit more pity and isolation We might feel failure or judgment or shame. And when you realize how many people are struggling, it just, it it doesn't mean that the waves are any less choppy for you, but there also is a, an internal calming of my nervous system when I hear another hard story. And, and I experienced that from other people this weekend or over the last few days and experienced it over the last few weeks in the garden party when when other, when other I would share someone else's hard story or someone else would share their hard story and there would be a sense of like, oh, okay, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I don't wish that person was going through it, but I, I guess I do feel a little better knowing that I'm not alone. So a few of the stories that I have held space for in the last – Six weeks, maybe, and the most of those probably in the last week. Um, Someone going through, uh, someone recovering from an eating disorder uh, who's struggling with depression and anxiety and is feeling very misunderstood by pretty much everyone in their life and unsupported and judged and is finding, is feeling the need to, to cut people out of their lives, friends that they thought they could rely on are just actually bringing more pain in this season. And so on top of this, they're feeling very lonely and isolated. Um, That was a, a conversation in the garden party where someone then responded that, well, so much of that story they couldn't relate to, they have had an experience of having to release someone in their life because it was not healthy and that person was their daughter and I 
realized, I think because of my age demographic, I don't have friends that have, personal friends that have children that are old enough yet to be in that scenario, that I realized I've never known someone who's had to do that. How painful. I've heard the other story. I know someone else in my life who has uh, cut off their mother for a toxic relationship. And I know someone else who has had seasons of cutting off their father for a toxic relationship. So I've pictured it with children, with parents. But suddenly I had so much compassion. How hard would that be if that was your child? And it's not that I've never heard that story in culture, but I've just never heard it in what felt to me like an intimate way. Um, Someone else um, did their first round of egg freezing in, I think they're around 40, and only got one egg. And that happened to me in one of my rounds of IVF. And so I have just, I, I, I know what that visceral feeling feels like to have spent almost $20,000 and gone every other day and given your shot, self shots four times a day and gone through all of this and then the terror of what the future implication in your life must be. And they are now trying to decide if they put more money into it, if they put more hope and effort into doing it more. And if they do, what, what would be the option from there? They're single. So would they then, would they want to have a baby on their own? Should they move to be near their, their parents to be able to do that? So all of the questions that go into that, it's not just the grief from how the first time went and the grief from the, the, the singleness, the age, just the unfortunate reality that I wish was not a reality, but it is for us with our, our the way our bodies work as women and age. Um, but on top of that saying, even if I get more eggs, I, what is the path from here? I'm having to ask these other next step questions in order to help me figure out what, what I want to do there. Um, someone else is pregnant and just got laid off and is frantically trying to find a job because they're afraid that no one would want to hire someone who is four or five, six months pregnant which I'm pretty sure is illegal if you said that's why you weren't hiring someone. But as an employer, I can appreciate if I need a job to be done and someone's saying I can do it for three months, but then I'm going to be gone for three months, but then I'll be back. And someone else is saying, yeah, I'll be here. Why am I not going to go with the person that's here? I'm like, I I need this work done. That's why I'm hiring for this role. And... um, She's the main breadwinner in their family. Um, and so there's a, that, that intensity. Um, someone is um, going through a life-threatening illness and her partner of over a decade was suddenly mistreating her, mistreating her um, emotionally, was highly unsupportive. Um, in finding out that she was ill, which was so awful, she didn't want to tell anyone because she also didn't want people to dislike this person. She wanted this person as her support person to go through this. And finally, the relationship is is dissolved. So she now is facing this illness and 
a relationship she thought was completely solid is is gone. My brother-in-law, Aaron, um, if you know our story, he was uh, paralyzed from the neck down in March at 26 years old from a mountain biking accident. He was rushed to the hospital um, this week. He was unconscious and uh, he's still in the hospital. He's going to be okay. But it's very re-traumatizing for him, for my parents-in-law, for the sister-in-law that's there, for the siblings who are out of state and who are just getting all of the the messages. And um, there was some issue with his health insurance right before this. So there's the other wrinkle of, wait, how much is this going to cost? He lives in an apartment building and the elevator had just recently gone out and they were trying to figure out, what do you do with a 6'2 man in a power wheelchair who needs an elevator to get out of the building? Like, what if what if there's a fire? What, this is, this is unsafe. What, what do we do? But you can't move right away. You're waiting to see, is there, how quickly is there going to be a solution? And thankfully it was fixed sooner than it was supposed to be because I don't know if anyone was thinking, what if we have to call 911? How would he be gotten out of this? So it did end up okay, but Again, part of that extra traumatizing and and just all the all the extra elements that come with life, right? When you go to the hospital and then there's also the insurance question, and now there's also the the elevator. I mean, it's like, do do we need to move? What's happening financially? And we're back here. We're dealing with this physically. We're dealing with this emotionally. There's just so, those are just a, the first examples that came to mind to say. And so many people are carrying so much and walking through such hard things. And there is so much diversity in what that can mean and what that can look like. I'm sure you can think of so many people in your life who have stories that I didn't even touch on that are other examples of hard and common things and my friend and I today were talking about how the, the vision, the metaphor, that all of these things are being in a winter season. And that especially resonated with me because we are heading into winter here in New York. And it is affecting me. In, on the one hand, it shouldn't be affecting me because it's my last winter and then we're moving to California, but it, um, it, it happened while we were away in Italy and I didn't realize that, that, that all the things that we love to do outside, and I have been struggling with winter for a few years now and that's one of the reasons why we're moving, but I didn't realize that I was doing all those things for the last time and now they're gone. And so it's it's not just that I'm sad to be in winter, but I'm grieving the the loss of summer or the loss of fall, I suppose. Um and feeling like it kind of snuck up on you, which I think is a common experience in this wintering metaphor. It usually 
hits you and you weren't ready for it, or even if you knew it was coming, you can still want to resist it and be like, I, I wish, but I, but I didn't, I just wish that I, oh, I just, is there, is there any way that, okay, we want to resist it because it's the, it's miserable. It's the most miserable of the life seasons. And let's separate for a moment. You might actually be someone who enjoys winter. Maybe you love skiing, but as far as the metaphor of being in a wintering season in your life, wintering seasons are dark they're cold, you are, there's not as, you know, if we go back to animals and nature and getting our own food, there's there's not as much sustenance. There's fear of, am I going to be able to survive this? Am I prepared for this? Um, and so there's four things that I want to talk about that my friend and I discussed. Number one, it's normal. Winter happens. Wintering seasons happen to everyone. It is normal. Number two, spring will come eventually. Unless there is death, which is the end of our seasons on this earth, spring is always going to come. Or there is always the hope that spring will come. And after spring, see number one, winter will happen again. But then spring will happen again. Number three, the allowing of winter, the acceptance of it is part of what moves us to spring. That we make winter worse We either make ourselves more miserable in it or we elongate it further the more that we resist it and fight it. And I'll unpack what this means. But that the the more well we winter, the more well we weather being in a wintering season, I'm not trying to use all that alliteration, it's just the words that feel right, um, the easier it is or the, the... to wait until spring or the more quickly spring comes. And that finally, number four, that movement towards spring is a combination of both our choice and choosing and receiving help. That those are the two parts of wintering well. So I'm going to read you just some of the notes that I took with this friend where one or the other of us, I was just writing down our words back and forth as, you know, this is kind of a behind the scenes too of sort of how my mind works in these things. I often am, I'm having these conversations with myself in my Elegant Excellence Journal. Sometimes I'm having them with friends and this was a really elongated session of going back and forth with someone that's wise and saying, ooh, that's a good point. Okay, what about this? And like, okay, I think I hear you there, but here's where my brain is is not sure like does it really apply in that situation of the single woman who does it really apply in the situation of this woman with the eating disorder so um we said you feel like I'm in winter and this shouldn't be happening how do I get out 
How do I get out? I should not be experiencing infertility. I should not be walking through this divorce. This wasn't the plan. I should not be someone who has cancer. I should not, I shouldn't be unemployed right now when I'm newly pregnant. Like how do I get out? This shouldn't be happening. That energy versus I'm in winter and I'm going to allow it. It, it is. So I'm going to accept what is and I'm going to ask how can I winter well? And if you then think about the actual season, what would wintering well be? It's, it's being cozy. It's snuggling under the blankets. It's drinking something warm. It's watching the, the firelight flicker, maybe the, the Yule Log channel. It's, it's lighting candles. It's, um, it's gathering people. It's the, it's the long conversations that I've been having over the last few days with people who are in wintering seasons. And it's that gathering because it's not summer when we're all out and about and running around your home, the days are, are shorter, it's darker, there isn't anything out else to do but to journal and to read and to watch and listen things to things that nurture you and support you and to, to gather around with people. And that winter is normal and it happens again. And I think that's something... You know, my mindset is always thinking, when there's a hard season, how can we get through this? Like, how can we get, you know, Erin from a power wheelchair to the ability to have enough upper body strength to control his own wheelchair? How can we get him to more autonomy where he could dress himself, he could bathe himself? How can we get him to walking again, assisted, then walking unassisted? And I realize that I think of it as he will, he will be out of this winter season and his life will be beautiful again. And even if he is always in a wheelchair, for example, it's we're going to be out of the wintering season and he's going to be like, you know what? I've got great upper body strength. I've got a ton of autonomy. Yeah, I'm in a, I'm in a wheelchair. It's not a power wheelchair. I'm, I'm, I, I'm living a good life. And I want for that to be the last winter for him. I want that to be his story where he's there at 28, 29, 30. And I don't want to then picture that he falls in love, gets married, and gets divorced after 10 years. I don't want to picture that he gets married and his wife keeps having recurrent pregnancy loss and they're going through infertility. Like I realize that my pre-rehearsing a good future, and we talked about this a little bit last week when we say, did, did I make the right choice? And, and if there's a good outcome, then we feel like we chose right. But also, when do we know, what's the real end of the outcome? Is it just marrying the spouse? Is it the spouse living for five years? Is it not getting divorced after 50 years? Like what's, what's the definition of did it work out? And I think I realize when for my friends, for my loved ones, for people I care about, I'm praying for them to get through this wintering season 
And then I picture that their life is spring. You know, my friend that's in love, like, I'm just like, maybe she made it. Like, maybe she found her person. I'm like, it's gonna be spring, you know? Like, I I want that for her so much. For anyone who wants to be in love, I want them to be in love. For anyone who wants to have a baby, I want them to have a baby. For anyone, like, so when they get there, you want to be like, oh, they made it. I am just so happy as a friend. Like, our prayers have been answered. But the reality of life is there will likely be another wintering season. And I think as someone who was single for a long time, you have such the story of like, if I, if I can just meet my person, everything else will be okay-ish. And I want to acknowledge if you're single and listening, yes, having a partner and a person, it does help make the hard things in life easier. You are not wrong about that. But also you then see the person that is struggling with infertility. You then see the person that is struggling with cancer. You then see the person that gets divorced. You know, it's not, it's not, there isn't, this is hitting me for the first time, there isn't, and they all lived happily ever after. Because that story, which is what we all read, right? You, you got to get to the end of a movie you got to get to the end of a TV series. You got to get to the end of a novel. Even if a novel is a seven or eight parter, whatever Harry Potter was, I guess seven, seven books, eight movies, it, it ends. It ends. And guys, spoiler alert, Harry lives happily ever after. I won't ruin it for you with who he marries, but he marries someone and they have a kid and it's good. I mean, I, I, I don't really want to spoil it for you, but, you know, in, in the end, Voldemort is gone. Like, the, 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 the biggest baddie of the bad guys is gone. And presumably, everyone lives happily ever after. We don't go into the next series where we're like, and then Harry and his wife struggle with infertility, and then at one point he lost his job, and then there was an economic downturn, and then there was, like, civil unrest in the country, and then a war broke out. Like, we don't do that. We're like, ah. Oh, Hallelujah. Harry lived happily ever after. I knew that he would because he was the star of the movie. So of course it was going to end well. But that actually winter is going to happen again. And so from that posture, it's not about muscling through till I can just get through this because then it's going to be good and I'm going to be bracing for as long as it doesn't fall apart again and I don't have to muscle through again. And we were talking about how, I guess, um, Jada Pinkett had just been on the Jay Shetty podcast, maybe my friend thought. Um, it, you know, she has a new memoir coming out that she's been promoting, but I guess she said something on that podcast. I wasn't the one who heard it. To the effect of, I had everything and I was suicidal and I couldn't get out of bed. And I've been actually saving a couple of articles like this. I'm constantly saving articles for research and future writing and future teaching and future ideas. And I've saved a couple recently. There was a one on Giselle Bundchen that I think it was that she was so under so much stress and pressure in her modeling career that she had suicidal ideation at one point. I know Carrie Washington just released a memoir and she shared, I think maybe related to an eating disorder, she was experiencing suicidal ideation. And my friend and I were just talking about how 
you see these people that, that it feels like they have everything and they can even acknowledge, I have everything. I have all the things that the story should say would be enough. And this is a big thing we talk about in the Healing Burnout course is the, the complexity of this word enough and that we're not taught this and that no one else can answer it for us. And that the lack of exploration around this word means that no matter what we try, the new job we get, the new productivity system, that whatever, also isn't going to be enough for us to not end up burned out. That there's there's so many layers to it. So again, if this is resonating with you, please, please join us in that program for this last time I am coaching us live through it because I... I want so dearly to help you winter well, literally this winter in whatever your emotional winter is now or may be so that you can prepare for a new year with more tools, more ease, more lightness so that you can help yourself move into feeling more like spring whether that is literally the spring that is coming in six months or this metaphorical emotional one. And as we were talking about this hard season, my friend said, I think community and connections is what we have, is how we, is how we make it through these seasons. And accepting that this is the human experience this winter than spring, winter than spring. You know, it's um, a book that I have not finished, even though I feel like I reference it often, but it's really just the title is so compelling. And I, it's one of those ones that I'm like, when I have more time, I'm going to read this book, um, which is uh, Pema Chodron's Things Fall Apart. And it basically is things fall apart and then they come back together again and then they fall apart again. And this is the cadence. And my friend was saying, like, there is no getting out of this but through death. Again, the seasons do eventually end with death. But otherwise, we we normalize it and therefore don't resist it because we don't have this sense of, how is this happening to me? It's like, This happens to people. Something like this happens to everyone in some way. Now, maybe Aaron being paralyzed is worse than when my brother-in-law's sister had cancer and they caught it early and they were able to do one round of chemo and it was okay. But the fear that he may have felt, I mean, the, the trauma for their family, it was a traumatic time, I'm sure. Now, you could compare them and say, well, I don't think it was as bad as being paralyzed and we're not sure if he can recover, but it still, it was a a wintering season for that family. Now, my family, the Rushfords, we haven't gone through that, but we have other things in our life that have been wintering seasons that just aren't health complications yet. But I said to this friend, these things that so many other women are going through, some of them I don't believe will be my story. I don't have reason to believe I would have an eating disorder. I've done my my IVF journey, but can I, I, I could get cancer tomorrow. I could, Jeremy could leave tomorrow. 
There's other there's other elements of the story that I don't know that I will be inoculated from. And so when we see it as the something like this, a wintering thing happens to everyone. Not everyone's going to get cancer. Not everyone's going to get divorced. Not everyone's going to whatever, but everyone's going to have something at some season. And the, then that moves us out of the posture of it's not supposed to be this way. And I think for, for those who share my Christian faith, if we can expand for a moment, I think in an ideal world, yes, it's not supposed to be this way. We would all be emotionally healthy enough, emotionally evolved enough that magically, if you fall in love with someone and they fall out of love with you, you have such a beautiful existential mind that you're able to release them and believe that another love is meant for you and our bodies are so whole and pure in everything that we put around them that disease does not exist. Like there is that ideal utopia that in in the Christian faith is sort of saying this this is how humanity began, but we are imperfect beings and we have created this chaos. But regardless of that, our reality in 2023 is is not this isn't the way it's supposed to be. I, I mean, I guess we could say that. We could say that as long as we're saying, yes, this is not the way it's supposed to be for any of us. But it's also the way that it is. That it is common to have conflict in a family. It is common to have friend breakups. It is common for economies to go up and down and businesses to flourish and to struggle and inflation and people losing jobs and whatever. And the idea of making that normal. A friend said, or this friend said, it's saying to yourself, I thought life was fill in the blank. And it turns out, or my life, And it turns out it's this. I thought I was married and was always going to be married. And it turns out I'm going through a divorce. I thought that I had all these plans for the next few years. And it turns out that I have cancer. I thought that I was going to be a mother. And it turns out we did all these rounds of IVF and it never happened. And we just don't feel called to adoption. And I'll note as an aside there, again, there are uh, an estimated one to two million individuals or couples who desire to adopt babies more than there are babies in this country. So that in and of itself is not necessarily an option. But I thought life was this, and it, my life, and it turns out it's this. Can I flow with this? Can I allow this and can I believe that through this winter that I did not want there will be spring and I shared that when we were going through our first embryo transfer that I had the thought 
God, if none of these three embryos work, I do believe that Jeremy and I will be happy. I believe that we will be deeply grieved. We will feel deeply like WTF. Why? Why would you put us through all of that for all those years, all that money? Like, we would be angry. We would be confused. We would be unmoored. We would be like, what? Now what do we do with our lives? But I also had started, I, I had a light vision of another possible spring. If that happened, I think we would move to Europe. We, would, we wouldn't go to California in this life that we pictured with a baby. We would move to Europe. We wouldn't stay here where we were picturing leaving. We would go someplace else beautiful and new and exciting to us. And God, I believe we would meet some adopted, some children that needed to be adopted. We would, we would have some other life that we would look back in 10 years and go, I was really deeply grieved at the time that that didn't happen. But look at this beautiful life we have. Look at this beautiful spring that we're in. We wouldn't have had this. We wouldn't have known these children. We wouldn't have had this family. And I think when a winter happens, our mind wants to think, I am just in winter forever. I'm, I'm never going to meet anyone else. I'm never going to make another best friend. I don't know how to survive in this world now that my mom is gone. I don't know who I am if I walk away from that career and I stop trying. I mean, these are so relatable, right? That we think I don't know. And even once you get the thing, this is something we talked about a lot was even if you get the thing, well, again, it's kind of like last week, you you could lose it. So we still have these fears. You're, you're married and your fear is, but what if my husband dies? You have a, a child and your fear is, what if my child dies? Like you still have this fear that there could be no happiness after this. But I've shared before about um, Callie Heigenthal, uh, who's a musician, a beautiful singer-songwriter, a worship leader, and uh, her daughter Olive died, I think maybe it was three or four years ago now, at about two or three years old, suddenly. Um, And I was saying to my friend today, I feel like someone like Callie is always going to walk through life with a little bit of frostbite. That winter was so brutal that she may have lost a few fingers and toes and the tip of her nose that never grows back. There may be some frostbite that she carries with her. But I I don't know if I've shared this on the podcast before, but she um, was here in New York City a few months ago. And I went to uh, this worship night that she was leading. And and because I follow her on Instagram and I know the she writes so beautifully about the journey of grief. And 
as someone who values authenticity, I have a <laughs> I have a real high BS meter. <laughs> it's sort of problematic because it's why I'm not really great at networking in my entrepreneur world and stuff because I just, anyone who's like oh, a little cringy and I just think they're kind of a little bit full of it and I think they're maybe not really sharing the whole story. And I think there's maybe a little bit of smoke and mirrors behind that. Like I'm just, I'm so suspect. And then I feel like there's people where you're just like, oh, the, the, uh, my authenticity sees your authenticity. Like, and I have read Kaylee's words over these last few years and I believe her that she has chosen to believe in spring. She's chosen to believe in hope. She made the choice to not camp out in winter. And I was telling my friend, oh, I have um, someone in my life who lost a parent when uh, to cancer when they were maybe 12 or 14. And while that was traumatic, a large part of the the trauma and the challenge they still carry with them as an adult is that the surviving parent couldn't cope, just kind of shut down and wasn't sure how to function. And I was saying it's like they camped out in winter with their grief. And then they didn't lead their children through to spring and through to hope. And therefore, those children spent longer in winter than was needed. And now they carry more frostbite or a more elongated trauma of just how long they sat in the cave unsure if there was going to be food and warmth and safety. And that I see with someone like Callie, there was a desire, and maybe I've shared this before, that after both, after Twitch boss passed away in December and Dave Hollis, I think in February, I remember each of the mothers of their children, Twitch's wife and um, Dave's ex-wife, saying something to the effect of fairly soon afterwards of like, we will, we will be fine. My children and I will, will carry on. We will have hope and joy and love. And like, we will be okay. And I remember thinking, like, how can you say you'll be okay? I'm just thinking like, this child is going to be traumatized for the rest of their life. To lose your father at three, at six, at eight, to lose your father to suicide, to lose your father from drugs, to lose like, oh, I'm just, I'm grieving for these small humans that I don't know, I don't have any personal relationship with. And and that my brain, I realized, was thinking, oh my gosh, they're going to be in winter for the rest of their lives. And what came to me at the end of the year, and again, I, 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 Apologize, I don't remember if I've said this before, but um, and I probably should just stop apologizing for whether or not I've said things before because I know when I hear things again, I'm like, oh yeah, you said that, but I forgot you said that. I do this with myself. I will genuinely 
re-listen or reread something that I created. And I'm like, I forgot I had that thought. That's a good one. I should, I should be remembering that more often. So I want to work on not caveating. I, I think I've said this before, but in December, I felt like I had been given, I, I, I felt like I got the word from God that because my book felt like a creative stillbirth. It felt like a seven-year journey to have this creative baby that would have given me a new name. It would have given me a new community. And it would have been a, a life experience that I had dreamed about. And at seemingly the 11th hour, it was just gone. And now it would be years before... I had a new name before I had a community, before I got to experience that. And it just felt like to, to be that close, to be that hopeful was just, and to feel like there was so much just death and it could never be redeemed. There was no, everybody wanted to fix it and be like, just self-publish, just do this, you know, just have another baby. Just, well, at least, you know, you can get pregnant. Like, when it, 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 it doesn't help. You're like, I, I will never get back this, this life and it's not coming anytime soon. And if there is a spring after this, this is still a long, long winter. And I felt like through that, God said to me, you got the motherhood wisdom early. You're going to become a mother in 2023, meaning we would move into a pregnancy but you you got wisdom early because of all the love that you poured in, all the care that you gave, all the hope and all of the grief and all of the destruction and all of the not understanding. And so it hit me in December that what those two women had was the motherhood wisdom. What they were saying was, I will not allow my children to spend their lives camped out in winter. We are in a winter now, but this family is headed towards spring. And there will be hope. There will be warmth and sunshine again. It is cold in this house right now. But I am not going to let it be cold for forever. And my friend said, I think the allowing and acceptance of winter is the precursor to spring. Because otherwise there's a, a resistance. You either are frantic and spinning your wheels and exhausting yourself and you're panicking and your mind is flying and spinning. I'm sure we've all been there. You're trying to figure out, how do I get out of winter? How do I fix this? This wasn't supposed to happen. This wasn't supposed to happen. Like, how, 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 how do we rewind the clock? And that's not helping you move forward to hope and healing because you're, you're, you're stuck in the past. You're trying to, or you're trying to, to power your way out of the present when it's not going to happen but also the allowing and acceptance is accepting that that winter is a season and allowing that winter happens to everyone now and then it, it, throughout life but rather than sinking into winter where you just keep saying 
this, this is the worst. This is the worst thing that could happen. This is over. My, my life is over. I'll never, I'll never fall in love again. I'll never have happiness if I'm not a mom. I, that my, my career was my purpose and I have no other purpose. That was, you know, I, I dated someone years ago who, um, had, had a really big break in their life and their creative career and they didn't really feel like they capitalized on it. They didn't really get a lot of momentum out of it. And they were really stuck in that for years. Like that was my moment. That was my big break. And it didn't happen. I didn't play it right. I didn't. Um, and, and they just kept looping on that. And I think we've all had those people. You know, it's so, it's why, again, it's so powerful to have these conversations because when when you hear them from someone else, it can, it can be easier to see you're camping out in winter and you're making it worse. You're not delusional that that big break may have not paid off the way that you hoped. Like that's true. That's valid. And we need to honor. I think it's the balance between honoring the grief of winter. I'm not frantically in a panic and work my way out of this. And I'm going to solve this. I'm going to make it happen. And I'm going to keep myself so busy that I, I I don't acknowledge it. And I think that's something we talk about a lot with the Elegant Excellence Journal and a lot in Healing Burnout is that when we stay so busy because we're so afraid to slow down for what we might feel or think or remember or have to acknowledge, then we just keep ourselves in this perpetual state of burnout. But then the opposite side of that is just sinking into, and we talk about this again and and go deeper on this in the Healing Burnout course, of I'm just, this is how it is. Life is never going to be better than this. It's always going to be this hard. It's always going to be this heavy. Life is just winter. There's, There's nothing else. And that either way, you are either resisting honoring and grieving and accepting the winter and not trying to hustle your way out of it, but you're also honoring and accepting with hope that spring is coming and you're not burrowing into the winter. And then we talked about how this way forward is really a combination of a trust in ourselves and in one another. That even in the darkest winter, those who are down, if they don't literally die, because we do acknowledge that a winter can be a cancer diagnosis and a life can end with a cancer diagnosis. But aside from death, We do all have the potential for spring, which is a combination of making choices and getting help. And that's what we do in the Healing Burnout course. We make the choice that we want to learn how to winter well and be hopeful for spring so that winters are lighter and shorter and springs are more beautiful. And we make that choice by getting help, by joining us live in the final six weeks of having me coach you 
uh, through this experience by getting in community and hearing other people's stories. So it's not that you just winter in your house and you shut everyone else out. We've all had that, right? Where you weren't really answering the phone, you weren't really seeing people, and it makes it worse. And when you go see people and you laugh and a friend calls, you feel better, right? We feel better in doing it together. And because you're a listener of this podcast, you're someone who is working on your mindset. And you've had times in your life when you created more of your own chaos because you were being more negative. And you've had times where you made it easier on yourself because you were being more positive. So we have this lived experience. And that bit by bit, that is the path to doing it better. This thing that whether you are in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s is going to happen again. And it's not just muscling through this season. It's not just this one job that's burning you out. It's not just having young kids that's burning you out. It's not just this one friend thing or this family thing. These are life skills that we reuse again and again. And my therapist, um, I see a psychiatrist um, very rarely for my uh, Xanax prescription, but I stay on her newsletter and she sent a really beautiful message around what's happening in Israel and Palestine and just hearing from her colleagues and from her uh, her clients just how much grief and fear specifically within the Jewish community um, there is at this time. And, you know, she said, I, I'm here to hold space for that. She's, I'm, she's not Jewish, so she said, I can't relate, um, but I'm here to listen and I'm here to hold space. And I thought that acknowledgement was so beautiful. And then the next week she said, so many of you have come in with a, a lot of grief and trauma and fear and pain this week, but also this same week, I've had so many patients who have come in and are doing really, really well. Some after many hard years of struggling. And what she really was saying was, some of you are in winter and some of you are in spring. That there's winter in part of the world for a people group. There is winter in Israel and Palestine right now. There is winter in Ukraine right now. And meanwhile, there is spring. People have had babies and gotten engaged and gotten dream jobs and felt their depression lift and go into remission for cancer and walked again after paralyzation. Like there is simultaneously in the world spring. And I think that spring will come in those places, even if it's after a years-long war in Ukraine, after this long winter, there will be some people for whom it ended in death and their seasons are done. And for everyone for whom the season didn't end, that wasn't their final season, Spring will come next. And so if you are in winter, whether now 
or whether you are storing up this wisdom for the future with the humility to say, things are going really well for me right now, but yeah, there probably will. I don't, I don't walk through life thinking that, but there probably will be a winter again. And don't I want that wisdom now to not wait until the diagnosis, the, the loss, the leaving, the phone call to go, oh my gosh, I, d- I don't have the tools for this because I was just so relieved to be in spring. I was like, no, I don't need the healing brain. Of course, things are actually going great right now. But if things are going great right now because of circumstance, not because you have the deep thoughts and, to- and, 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 and the, the tools for the deep thoughts and feelings to navigate even when the circumstances change. Here are the four things again. Winter is normal. It happens. Spring will, number one. Two, spring will come eventually. And then winter will happen again. But then spring will come again. Number three, the allowing of winter, the acceptance of it, is part of what moves us towards spring. It's asking, what can I learn from this? How can I grow? It's giving ourselves self-compassion. We talk about this in What Makes Women Feel Beautiful. We talk about this in the Healing Burnout course, going deeper on this teaching that this is part of being human. Everyone goes through this. And if I can have self-compassion for myself, I don't have to be so frantic to get through it, and I don't have to camp out even deeper in it. I can sit in that in-between, more palms-up space of just allowing that I don't know what comes next, and I don't really like winter, and no one likes winter, and no one knows what comes next when they're in a winter. And that for that movement through winter and towards spring is a combination of both choosing that you want to move towards spring and and winter well and getting help to do so. That it's joining the healing burnout course, making the choice that you want to feel better. Again, I'll put that link in the description, but it's hillaryrushford.com slash burnout. Get on the wait list. Tell your friend to get on the wait list and that way you won't miss it. I will send you all of the information. I'm going to gift you access to the garden party if you aren't already in it for six weeks of going through this course live so that I and we can support you because that component is so beautiful in the healing. So if you know someone who is in winter right now, share this episode with them. Tell them about this course and community and help and that there is that wisdom and support there. Gift them the Healing Burnout course as an experience. What a beautiful thing for the friend that you're not sure what to do for them to actually give them something that helps them move towards spring is so wonderful. And a final thought um, from my conversation with my friend is really about one of my favorite intentions, I say often, of growing 10% better. Because I was asking her, how how were you doing with these things as we talk about this 
does this feel true to you? Is this how you feel you are walking through this wintering? And her winter is, is, is dark and it is heavy. And some of it is very new. And um, there's not a, there's not a light at the end of the tunnel coming very soon. And she said, I go in and out of hope. I'm not riding that wave fully, but I have moments where I can access it. Moments where I can access the hope of spring, the vision of spring. And in my sadder moments, I have that resistance to accept it. I have that seriously, like seriously, how is this my life? And I think that's such an important note to end on that this friend who has such wisdom and she and I connect for six hours and we unpack these sorts of topics. And yet at the end of six hours, what she in essence is saying is, I'm getting 10% better at it. And I'm 10% better than I would have been a few years ago. But that doesn't mean that it's easy. That doesn't mean that it's not hard. That doesn't mean I just walk through my days with a real zen level of peace about what's happening. But it means I have more access more often to hope. And I believe that as I continue to move through this winter, I will get more access to hope. I will get closer to spring. But I think that honesty, that it's not there all the time. And I think that's so important to end on, that you don't have to do it perfectly to do it well and to be growing in doing it more well and therefore loving and supporting and equipping yourself better for the entire life that remains ahead of you and that we do it better together. Oh, wait. One more thing. Don't miss this. Before you go, love. P.S. Something I'm loving lately is after this conversation today, I'm realizing that I want to work at not resisting literal winter. (laughs) That, as I said, I am experiencing grief that I didn't see it coming. That when we went away to Italy for two weeks, we would come back and it would be too cold for my morning quiet time out on the balcony. It would be too cold for dinners on the balcony. It would be too cold for walks and taking Freddie to the park. And I didn't realize that was slipping through my fingers. It's not that I didn't appreciate it, but I just didn't realize it was going to be gone so soon. And so that's what I'm mourning. And I said to Jeremy, as I'm talking about this wintering and the not resisting, I'm realizing that my mind is resisting it because I'm so focused on what I'm grieving, what I'm already missing. You know, we're still here in New York, but what I love most about New York, what I love most about this home and this neighborhood is when the weather is nice. And that's gone. We're still here for another two months, but 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 that part is gone. And so I said, okay, I want to work on my mindset 
So I guess the, the what I'm loving is the the serendipity that I had no idea that answering that phone call earlier <laughs> would then lead to this topic on the podcast today, which would then have me walking out to my husband to say, I think I can enjoy our two months here more if I stop resisting the the literal winter. And instead I enjoy, ooh, I get to, it's cold in the morning. I get to put on my cozy cashmere sweatsuit. I love how cozy that feels. And I'm done with ice lattes. I'm doing warm lattes and I savor the warmth of that in my hand. And Freddie is, oh guys, he is becoming more of a lap cat. And if you have, I maybe you've had this experience with cats, but I'm guessing maybe this is just normal that his first year of life when he was a kitten, he was more bopping all over and I've never had a cat before. So I just thought like, oh, he's not much of a lap cat. And Jeremy was like, I think once he gets older. But I think Jeremy meant like in 10 years, you know, as he really gets older. But something started to shift right around his one year birthday. And he started getting more snuggly. And I mean, this morning, so he started getting more, like he would sit by me more when I was doing my morning journaling. I have my my feet out and we'd be sitting outside and he would snuggle up against my, like between my knee and my ankle, the bottom of my foot, my my legs, Um, which is great. I can't reach down and pet him, but I was still happy for it because it was like more than we'd had. But now he's, guys, today he climbed on my actual lap like on my lap and I was sitting there doing my journal and it's just like, oh, it's so cozy. Um, and so now I can associate that. I don't think it's happening because of winter, but I can now associate our last winter in New York is also magically the perfect timing when Freddie became more snuggly. And now I want to be under the blanket and have his little body heat on me and all of that is making me more warm. I want to look forward to spring that warm weather is coming in California. Spring is when our baby is coming. I am hopeful for that, but it doesn't mean I have to be unhappy and resisting in this. And I want to think of more cozy things to do. Like I I go down to our sauna, but I started going to the sauna last winter because I was so cold. And then I just started loving the sauna. But if now I yet again associate the sauna with ooh, that's my warmest time of the day. Because in summer, it wasn't the warmest time of the day. I mean, yes, technically it was because I was sweating buckets, but I didn't feel the need to be warmed. I just loved the the rhythm and the, the meaning and the meditative time of the sauna. So now I can think of that as being warm. I wasn't taking baths for forever and thinking, oh, now the warmth of a bath, the warmth of a long shower and, and enjoying and leaning into that. I said to him, maybe we need to go to Central Park this weekend. We love Central Park in the fall and maybe the leaves are changing. Let's go. Let's let's go ahead and place our order for Thanksgiving dinner. We're doing our last Thanksgiving um, here, the two of us. We did that one other year and we ordered from Whole Foods and FYI, it was delicious and pretty affordable for what it was. So I was like, let's go ahead and place our Thanksgiving order. We can get, get excited now for Thanksgiving. Um, the NBA is back, which sort of means that I've lost my husband to uh, having his earbuds in a lot watching games, but we love going to games. And so we get to go to our final games here. And we love going to games, you know, at our Brooklyn stadium. And yes, there's the grief that those are the last times, but it's also, that only happens in winter. It only happens when it's cold out. So 
while I wish it wasn't cold out, I love this experience so much that I can actually be happy about the fact that we're in this season. And telling myself this is a season, whether the literal winter or the metaphorical winter, this is a season. You will be warm again. You will be outdoors again. Whatever it is for you, metaphorically, you will feel hope again and joy again and love again. Whether you are in that winter now or whether you, like me, pre-rehearse those fears of what if something goes wrong someday. What when something goes wrong someday. Someday my parents will no longer be here as long as I am lucky enough to live a uh, life until old age. So instead of bracing for that winter, I am appreciating the spring and I am telling myself when that winter comes, which it will, there will also be spring again on the other side. So I would love to hear your thoughts on this. Come um, chat with me in the garden party if you are in our community. Please share this episode on Instagram if you believe this would bless others. Tag me on stories. I would love to hear. Share it in a group chat that you are a part of. Text it to a friend. And I will see you right back here next Wednesday with grace and gumption. You're welcome in advance. Till next Wednesday. 